Hey, this is uh, Fam Electric Ghost, and I'm playing your song, Cheap Beer and Nicotine in the Back. All right, awesome. I've been jamming to it for the last couple of minutes. I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to bring to you. But, awesome. Um, yeah, so just give everybody the preface. This is uh, Fam Electric Ghost. I interview indie, indie bands and actors uh, from all around the world. Been doing it for about two years. And um, tonight we've got Lil Death on and we've got what thomas glance that's your name that's me so how many members are in the band uh we are a three-piece three-piece okay so what's your role i uh play guitar and push buttons i'm kind of the guy that does a lot of the um uh kind of keyboard stuff but i'm mostly okay. the guitarist <laughs> okay I'm a, I'm a keyboardist so i'm, I'm big i'll probably ask you some questions cool <laughs> so so i've been jamming to your single I, I love the original version. I, I, I've been listening to the remix, but I actually like your original. Um, awesome. Thank you. And, yeah. And I, I was just uh, looking at it and I, I grabbed a couple lines out of it. And like, you say, there's a line like, want to be Springsteen. So I'm a big Springsteen fan. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about that. Awesome. And then, and then like late nights, fast cars, sketchy girls, all good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times. And the gutter barely breathing. So it's kind of got, you know, I'm a big fan of like classic rock and really good music composition. And what I like the fact is that you kind of got this, you know, Springsteen reference. So I would assume there's a lot of layering in your song because it's kind of a little bit like a Born to Run and its approach in terms of the layering. Um, so it's a little bit like uh, Spectre in that kind of structure. And then I yeah. appreciate that you have all of this you know, layered, overdubbed um, guitars and synths and really cool, cool things. And a little bit of like, like, a, you know, some like hip hop elements and Definitely. samples. It's cool. It's, it's good because there's a lot of things out there today. And, you know, I see some of your reference points, your name check Springsteen. So that's cool. Um, so I wanted to, to, to maybe go through the main questions of like, when did your band get started and, you know, what age did you get into music? So maybe we'll start there. So, so when does the, the foundation of your band, how long have you been around? Um, so this is our first release as Little Death. We started writing together about a year and some change ago, but um, we only announced the band in November. So um, we've only been like publicly out there for a little over a month. Um, we, we all started playing in bands around the same time. Um, just different bands we never played together and we we would play shows together and like me and our bassist Ford like our bands at the time had us I like the original version I've been listening to the, the remix but I really like the original and um, yeah I like how you name check Springsteen you want to be Springsteen and um, it has you know the composition I was talking about had like layering similar to like Born to Run and you have a little bit of hip hop, you have guitar, you have keyboards, you have really interesting uh, lines, you know, late nights, fast cars, sketchy girls, stuff like that. So you were talking about how, how the, you know, the genesis of your band, how long you've been together and what you, what this is like your first single from this project, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's only been about a month and a half with us in the kind of the public eye even though we've been writing together for about a year and a half, when we started this project, we had no idea what we were going to sound like. We just knew we were all kind of on the same page with life. So, yeah. 
you get closer to your phone, you dropped off a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, it's better. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, man. <laughs> Did you want me to repeat that? Yeah, repeat what you said because you dropped off. Maybe you got a little too far from the phone. I okay. Of, yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so we've only been in the public eye for about a year and a half now. Um, I mean, <laughs> we've been writing together for a year and a half, um, but we've only been in the public eye for about a month when we dropped our song uh, November 12th. Mm-hmm. And um, when we first started writing together about a, about a year and a half ago, we had no idea like what we were going to sound like. We knew we were all into these bands and um, we were kind of on the same page with music and what we wanted to get out of it. Um, so it was really exciting just to get together as friends and experiment until we found something that clicked. So when you talk about the, the music you're into, can you give us some reference points into what type of music, what bands you listen to that you're um, inspired by? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, for me personally, right now I'm a big fan of indie pop bands. Uh, the 1975 is probably yeah. one of my biggest, biggest influences personally as a, as a guitarist and like, uh, you know, in my like, pop sensibility mm-hmm. and um uh, i'm also big fans of like early 2000s rock and roll bands like jimmy Eat world and um 90s grunge mm-hmm. and army hi sorry hi make sure you don't hit that little red x because sometimes people if they're talking they accidentally hit the x that says finish recording which uh-huh. I, I don't know if you banged into it maybe but that could have done it but just be gotcha. mindful of that. Um, I got my I got my phone screen unlocked, so hopefully it won't happen. Yeah, yeah. So um, cool. We have segments so we can carry from the last segment. We'll put it together. So I know you were talking about how long you've been with the band. You're with you know, just for like a year and a half or so, and this is your first single, the Cheap Beer and Nicotine. And you were talking about your influences. You talked about the 1975. So let me get back to that and maybe get into it. You're talking about grunge too. So maybe on, on grunge bands, you know, everybody knows Nirvana with the Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Temp- Stone Temple Pilots, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of um, late 90s, early 2000s uh, radio, rock, and pop mm-hmm. has definitely been a, a big influence for us. Um, and then 80s pop and um classic rock um definitely especially our, our lead vocalist is a big fan of artists like springsteen mm-hmm. uh, definitely and um uh you know our, our influences go anywhere from from folk music to to modern hip-hop and even like soundcloud rap <laughs> we pretty much just kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, we just take everything in and figure yeah. out um how we can apply that to our music in a way that feels genuine well, it's cool. Let me get through the, the questions. Like, so, so when did you first get into music? At like what age? Um, I started playing guitar when I was 15. And so I got, I got my first electric guitar for my birthday when I was 15. And then by my 16th birthday, I was playing my first show with some friends. Um, and it's just kind of wow. on from there. <laughs> And what kind of guitar did you do you like to play on Les Paul or Fender? I played. I played pretty much uh, Gibson Les Paul for a very long time. Um, recently, as I transitioned into sort of this indie pop world, I um, discovered how great Telecasters are. <laughs> yeah. And so I own about 
I own about five Fender guitars now. I have a Telecaster. Mm-hmm. I have a Thin Line with P90s. Uh, I got a Mustang mm-hmm. Jazzmaster. So. Now, the one thing I noticed when I talk to people, like like they say, Les Pauls are very forgiving when you play, but a Fender, you have to be more accurate in your note note choices of how you play it because everything kind of is heard. And so, does it make you have to play tighter when you play the Fender? Yeah, I could see that for sure. There's there's a certain clarity that the uh, that like the Telecaster and Jazzmaster pickups have that uh, something with humbuckers like a Les Paul or SG doesn't have. It's um it's very bright and chimey, and uh, you can definitely hear every little movement on the fretboard and on the strings. So. Mm-hmm. Probably that like might punk, be... band, punk bands like Les Paul is more because like it, 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 they maybe not going to do like if a band like Who's Could Do or like yeah. The Replacements or somebody's playing kind of classic punk like the Ramones or something probably going to use less. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not sure. Normally, like if sometimes if you're not actually on the app itself, like if you, I'm not sure if you actually got onto the app and created a user, and then hit the favorite button because then that makes a tighter connection. Oh, gotcha. No, I did not do that. Yeah, so if you're doing it outside the app, sometimes it's not as stable. Most of the time it does. I mean, I've actually interviewed people where it has been stable, but you might, you know, if it goes down again, you might want to go in and uh, do find me, family, look at ghost, hit the star button, the little star button, favorite me, and then if I call you that way, it might be more stable. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, but but we'll keep on doing it if it drops again. Do that. <laughs> all right, sounds good. So all these, all these will be linked together. So don't worry about it. But if it does, awesome. Um, I trust you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so you were ta- we were talking about your reference points. You, you had mentioned like the 70, 1975 and '90s pop, and um, yeah, the nineteen seventy five. I can I can hear um, some of the reference points in the way you guys are writing. And then the string awesome. scene, in terms in terms of like your lyrical content, it, it's a little deeper than some of the bands you hear today. Um, Thank you. Bigger influences, like especially Springsteen. Springsteen kind of forces you to to write kind of like Dylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you have to think about what you your song craft. You're trying to tell a story, and I, and I kind of pick up in your song, uh, "Cheap Beer and Nicotine." You're talking about this person's kind of like. They're a little affected by like I don't know if you know sociology idea like anomie they're kind of disassociated they're kind of living on the edge and they're kind of falling apart a little bit like you know what I mean that's exactly what the song is about yeah and and they like the lines like like late night fast cars sketchy girls and then you know why be Springsteen in the gutter barely breathing I mean it's kind of, in some ways it's kind of yeah a little Lou Reed because I'm a big fan of the Velvet Underground okay. And and if you get if you I don't know if you ever got into the Velvets, but yeah, the, one of the first bands to kind of talk about low living or or the kind of things that happened in the gutter, um, and kind of bringing that out in a pop song. Where normally pop songs don't talk about stuff like that, and Lou Reed yeah. was, was a big proponent of of bringing that kind of stuff to light and putting it into a pop structure. And so you know, Walk on the Wild Side and all these other songs he did used to have this kind of connotations like wait for the man you know those type of songs so yeah i kind of see where you guys are going and i like it thank you very much 
So do you guys like live record in a studio? Do you use a digital audio workstation? Do you, how do you record? Um, so our producer uses uh, Pro Tools. Okay. And um, so kind of our process is I'll start the song in Logic Pro at my house. Um, and we'll get we'll, we'll bang out a rough demo there and then we'll bring it into the studio. Hey, Tommy. I started it, so hopefully this works. Yeah, well, I was doing that. Hopefully this will be the tighter connection unless there's actually a bug happening. I've done a bunch of interviews this week, so there could be some kind of issue with the app. Hopefully there's not. Okay. Um, but, you know, we've been doing it for a while, so hopefully this won't be a problem. But this is not live. I do edit these and put them out before they go out. Awesome. So, yeah, you were talking about where we were on um, your recording and you say you actually uh, do what uh, logic and then your producer is pro tools. Yep. Our producer uses uh, logic as well, but his primary uh, DAW is definitely pro tools. We just kind of like create some synth sounds within logic. Mm -hmm. So you use MIDI synths, not like, uh, cause I'm a big like <clears throat> synth player. I play like modes and Roland's like actual synths. Oh, that's awesome! So, no, yeah. Unfortunately, we uh, we just are sticking to MIDI right now. Yeah, well, your primary is you're a guitar player, so to bring the synths in, if you're not a keyboardist, you, you might not have a mode, you might not have like a Hammond or anything like that. So you yeah, because you know that's not your primary. But yeah, I, I understand people getting into synths that way. It's a good way to do it. There's all kinds of cool plugins. You can do a lot of cool stuff. But I'm a big analog guy. So that's I love, awesome. I love Moogs. I love Profits. I love Euro Racks. That's what I do. But um, very cool. <laughs> so, would you guys um, primarily write on your guitars, or you write on piano? How do you write songs? So the song generally starts with Riley, our vocalist. He uh, he'll start writing it with an acoustic guitar, and um, he'll usually just send me a voice memo of the acoustic guitar and him singing over. Uh, we go from there. It's a very like folksy grassroots kind of style of writing. Yeah, old school. I used to have a Tascam four tracker showing my age. I'm like in my fifties, but when I used to record, I had a, a actual analog tape four track Tascam. That's awesome. And we used to I used to put stuff down on that, and then I had back in the day I had a Roland D50, which is a really kind of awesome set, but kind of like a D, D, Roland's version of a DX7, if you know what a DX7 is. Yeah, very um, cool. Yeah, and the D50 had capabilities the DX7 didn't have. Um, and so it was pretty cool. And I would just bring it into a Tascam. But it's interesting that today, you guys, what would have been done on a reel-to-reel -reel or a Tascam back in the day, you guys are doing with, like, you know, voice memos, which is totally cool. It's a different thing. I, I wouldn't. I can imagine it now because I record now, but back in the day, like, it's a lot different than what people used to do. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So do you guys ever use like things like GarageBand or you stick with your, your, your other? Okay. 
Let's see. This is wild. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not glitched like this. Before, I had an old app I used to do this on called Spearman, and then they stopped doing this, uh, and then Anchor took over. Um, it has, I've never had it this unstable. I don't know if it's kind of year-end, and they're doing something with the app tonight, which you never know. They yeah. Should, they should have told me. Because <laughs> they have all these <laughs> podcasters. We're doing active podcasts for the year, end of the year. You know, I got one tomorrow and the next day. So, yeah, it's not cool if it's acting like this right now. <laughs> yeah. But, but like I said, the segments can be strung together and I can actually edit them and trim them and stuff. So let's get back to what we're doing. I hope it doesn't drop again. Um, yeah, you were talking about how you work in the studio and, um, and maybe get, keep on going from there. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so we spoke about using the, the voice memos as a jumping point and then, um, I'll usually begin the demos within logic pro and, um, that's pretty much where everything is done within. And mm -hmm. then, um, when we're finished with that, we take the stems and we bring them to our producer and he'll, he'll load them into, uh, pro tools and then we'll start deconstructing the song from there. So do you actually do any overdubs in a studio or you do everything like um, where you don't physically have to be in the studio? You can just send files like stems and stuff or do you physically punch in to the DAW and actually overdub or change things? Oh, yeah. No, we usually don't keep most of the stems um, that we record at my place on Logic. It's just kind of um, kind of like the, a reproduction jumping off point. Okay. So do you actually go and just re-record re everything? How you how do you do that? And just trying to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, our producer has a much better control of the sound and the environment, and um, he's had great mics and everything. So we'll we'll just sort of um once we do we do a lot of reproduction with him. Okay. Kind of um kind of rebuild the song. Maybe get closer yeah. to your phone. You're dropping off a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we do a lot of pre-production with him, which has been really great. He's a very hands-on guy, but he doesn't take over. He just kind of helps us push ourselves. Um, and um, so, yeah, we usually end up re-recording just about everything. He's got a lot of really cool synths that I don't have um, as far as like plugins go on mm -hmm. PSTs and everything. So um, he's kind of he's, he's kind of a madman with that kind of stuff. <laughs> he's really, really good. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do with 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 the you know the digital audio workstation. I've been kind of going a little backwards in my production, is I'm I'm going back to like analog mixers because I've got analog sense, and okay. so when you have analog sense, you kind of want to record them with analog equipment. Absolutely, and then, and then uh, kind of put you know I I do some things, but I mean I might get a Tascam twenty four which allows you to do analog mixing and then bring in like your racks and modes and different things as analog instruments and then, you know, record them to a digital tape at that time and then mix them there. But yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of cool stuff going on today with, with the DAWs that you can construct. You know, I actually did an album with a, with a woman in Los Angeles using FL Studio. And I'm in, I'm in New Hampshire. <laughs> That's really cool. So so we did the whole thing, you know, just sending stems back and forth and recording in our own DAWs and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do that way. I did another one with a band in New York City called uh, Lonnie Claire. 
and and we were just you know collabing that way. And it's just interesting what you can do. You know, I've I've heard people working with people all over the world. You know, yeah, Australia and Japan getting getting a stem from some like electronic musician in Tokyo, and then playing with it and manipulating, going back and forth. So the collaboration today is like not just limited to like you know national borders or anything. You can just do anything you want. So it's incredibly exciting. <laughs> so are you guys scheduling shows as a little death? We are planning to start playing shows early in the year, early in 2019. Um, we just kind of got quite a bit to figure out since we are a three piece. Um, we don't have a we don't have a dedicated drummer in the band, so we're gonna have to bring someone in and um, have them learn the parts and um, probably. This is Van Electric Ghost, and our supporter, CIN Powell, is having a promotional contest where you can win five hundred dollars. You just have to call them at seven eight six five six two seven six zero one. If you call them at seven eight six five six two seven six zero one. You can also email CINPOWS at CINPOWSINFO at gmail.com. CINPOWSINFO at gmail.com. Their website is www.cinpals.com. Again, CINPOWS, a new type of social network, is having a promotional contest and you can win $500. Check out CINPOWS at www.cinpals.com. Or call them at 786-562-7601. That's 786-562-7601. Email again is cinpowsinfo at gmail.com. cinpowsinfo at gmail.com. Thank you. Okay, so you were talking about potentially touring and you needed to get a drummer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, since we don't have a we're going to be bringing uh, someone in to play those parts live and hopefully um, someone to play auxiliary guitar and keyboards. There's right. definitely, like you said earlier, there's a lot of layers in our music and we, yeah. we, we don't want to, we want to backtrack as little as possible. We definitely want to bring a, just kind of like a rock and roll live experience. Yeah. Cause that, that's one thing when I talk to like DJs, you know, electronic musicians, a lot of their stuff is like coming right off of a pioneer or coming off of a sequencer and then they're, you know, they're not a lot of live playing, you know, yeah. and your band is more of a unit, like a traditional rock band that you guys got to set up. You got a sound check that you, you're going to play live, which is what I do as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have, it seems to be somewhat of a lost art when you get into some, you know, like the hip hop and DJ world is kind of making it. So you could go to a club with just your laptop, and do a show where you're not really even playing. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, you know, and not to say those guys aren't musicians, they have, they do have the musical capabilities, but there's still something about, you know, I'm a guy that used to go see the Allman Brothers. I used to go see the Who, you know, I, yeah. for real. And so I'm kind of like, you know, I, my measure of, of a band is like, you know, looking at Greg Allman or looking at Pete Towns. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. You want that experience. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a reason why musicians are musicians. And, you know, I don't want to put down what the new music is, but I think uh, you use those tools where you can. And you know, I'm, I'm a one man band. So I have stuff that I have to sequence, you know, I have to use drum machines and stuff, but 
I play my Moogs live, you know, and, and you know, Robert Moog used to say like an analog synth, like a Moog is meant to be played live. Definitely. Because there's something about it. It's organic. It's kind of like your guitars. They, they, Moogs don't sound the same from day to day. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so when you play, you have like a jazz man's perspective. And so I, I asked the question, like, you guys like have a lot of different influences. Have you ever thought of collaborating cross genre into like with like rap or jazz or DJs? Have you thought about doing stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um as as you saw, we released the um the remix of Cheap Beer and Nicotine. That was done with a good friend of ours who's out in LA, yeah. uh, who goes who goes by the moniker Jamio. And he's a DJ out there. Um, so that was super cool. We just sent him the vocals mm-hmm. and uh, let him kind of take his spin on the song. We um, we recently recorded a stripped down version of the song. And we got a, uh, a female vocalist. Um, awesome. She kind of has like a country sort of twang to her voice. Really, really cool. So, so you're already doing what I'm saying. You're cross, cross-pollinating. Yeah, trying to country hip hop DJ electronic. That's cool. So you got a full record you're working on. Um, so that was the intention when we first started, but we sort of decided along the way that right now the way that people consume music is very it's very sporadic. So yeah. instead of releasing everything at once, um, we decided to start releasing singles on a somewhat monthly basis. Yeah. Uh, hopefully to keep to keep the interest and entertainment and uh yeah that's a good strategy i mean myself i've been releasing singles like all year and then i finally broke down and, and created a collection and what i found is vinyl is a good platform and i actually go to new york city and play like in new york and stuff so like i'm creating a limited edition vinyl of a lot of my songs that were on like spotify for Very the, cool. last year and, you know, there's some companies out there that let you do that. Plug for one, I'm working with Diggers Factory, and they let you run, like, 200 copies. And then they let you build a project and get pre-orders, and you don't have to come up with any upfront money. And so then you can get your project on vinyl, and it's like a double vinyl, and it's going to look pretty cool. But, yeah, it seems like kids are more into buying it like that than on a CD. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever put it out on CD. The vinyl is a better bang for the buck. Um, so just what I've seen lately is at least in the Northeast, like in, in New York and stuff, if you show up to a club in Manhattan and you're an electronic act and you actually have vinyl, you will, you'll sell that vinyl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Vinyl has definitely made a very strong comeback. Yeah. It's just like, can I use, I think it's really good for bands that have ideas, you know, because if you're a band that has like a concept and you do a record, when you do it as a vinyl, to the whole thing because that's the yes. way vinyl so if your band likes to do albums vinyl is like a really good choice i mean if you're single oriented that's fine and you know i've done it myself but if you're there's a lot of people who have ideas that that are longer than a single and the vinyl format kind of is in sync with the fans in that way because you know they're not going to skip around the vinyl they're yeah. actually listening to the whole thing through so i think that's kind of cool yeah for sure as a as a listener as someone who consumes music um my preferred way is to listen to an album all the way through from front to back uh, all my favorite records i can do that with like uh 
you know, Futures by Jimmy World or Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. You put it on and you just play it until the last song. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm old school. I mean, I used to listen to stuff like Electric Ladyland. You know, you don't skip around Electric Ladyland. So I had to yeah. Play. You know, you don't skip around like the Almer Brothers, you the Peach. You know, like you listen to the whole thing. And so that, that's kind of where I came from, you know. And, like electronic music, yes. Like, you know, like Fragile. You know, or listen to the lame lights down on Broadway, like Peter Gabriel Genesis. That's kind of where my head's at. So when I put together a project, I'm aiming for like yes or Genesis, like a prog rock type of thing where those are concept albums. Those those are like rock operas. And so, yeah, they're meant to be listened to like in one sitting. Um, and I'm kind of old school that way, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, we absolutely would love to do that. Um once I think that's something we will be able to um, pursue once we have kind of solidified our fan base a little yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The singles are the way to go, you know, Spotify and social media. Like, so are you guys putting together like a video for YouTube? Have you thought about that? Um, so we're not going to have a video for the first single, Cheap Beer Nicotine, but there are plans in place um, to film a video for our second single, which will be coming in January. So where would you put that? Would it go onto YouTube or some other? Oh platform? yeah, it would definitely be on YouTube. That's cool. Yeah, it seems like the social media. There, I mean, there's a lot of artists, like you said, there's SoundCloud rappers. I'm a SoundCloud artist. People might not have heard of me, but I got like eighty-one thousand listens on SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So you know, but that—that's where I got this. How I got this? This people approached me from these companies that do these podcasts, and they saw my fan base on SoundCloud, and that's how I got here. Um, but that's where, you know, where you might not make it like in the traditional way, but SoundCloud, YouTube, you know, Fanburst, there's all these different like streaming media services that are outside the normal record industry that are allowing like bands and the indie artists to get out there. And then that's kind of like what I'm doing here is I do a showcase to talk to indie bands in a way that MTV used to, you know. <laughs> yeah. I feel that bands need a way to talk without having to pay that because I'm a music fan. I'm a musician. I want to talk to bands and give them a platform. And that's what this is about. That's so, great. So what are your thoughts on like streaming services versus like record labels and how people consume music? What are your thoughts like positive and negative? Um, so I think, I think there's a lot more um, pros to streaming than there are cons. I feel like now it's so easy for people to find bands that they've never heard of before. Um, I feel like before you, the only way you'd find out about a new band is if your friend told you, or if you, uh, you know, went to a show where you didn't know any of the artists on the bill. And um, now like with Spotify, it recommends new, um, new music for you every, every week, which is I don't know, super cool. I found out about so many bands from all over the world that I've never heard of that way. And I hope that people find out about our band that way too. Well, Instagram is another way. What I found is Instagram is like the musicians, like social media, like Instagram. Yes. Actually, that's where I find all my guests. That's where you know, you know, a guest will will usually what happens is I'm a musician. I have my stuff out there. Somebody will like one of my things. They happen to be a musician, and then I'll pitch them this show. So I say, hey, I'll interview your band, and that's how I usually. Because, that's awesome. Because Instagram is like where a lot of artists are really 
you know, alternative or indie. To me, it's kind of like back in the day, like you said, you know, how did you find out about music? It was college radio. You know, I, I college radio used to be the only way you found out about new stuff. That's how I found out about like REM, Who's Could Do, The Replacements, all those bands kind of kicked off on college radio. And But now college radio is probably not like what, what these things are. With, yeah. you know, th- this is more like the college radio for this generation. Um, you know, the YouTubes and SoundClouds and all, you know, all these streaming services like Spotify and Tidal and everything else. But yeah, I mean, it's strange that the college radio scene's not what it used to be. I don't know yeah. what happened. I don't know if they got taken over by majors or whatever, but um, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be a way for bands to kick there like they used to. Yeah, definitely. We, we're we're all pretty big fans of Instagram, um, even within like our personal lives. We all we all use it pretty heavily, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been an excellent way to expand our reach. Yeah, especially now that you can do like ten minute long videos, which yeah. I don't know if people realize, but I I use it a lot. But you can actually link your Spotify and your SoundCloud to Instagram and push a, like a video single or actual song you know, out there is like a highlight. It lets you do that. And that's so, so cool. Yeah. That's been very good for a lot of bands. I see a lot of bands starting to use it. And, um, you know, it's it, because it's just so, it's so music focused on Instagram. I mean, YouTube is too, to a certain extent, but it's hard to get as many followers. Sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes on YouTube to get your base there initially. It takes yeah. a lot of work, but Instagram, you can build a base pretty quick. <laughs> Definitely. So I find that that's, you know, I don't like to push one or the other, but it's like some of them are harder than others. <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've been really lucky with uh, Instagram. And I think like in, in the year that we spent writing and recording the six or seven songs that we have now, we all were kind of trying to figure out ways to sort of beat the algorithm with Instagram. Like, okay, yeah. what hashtags do we use to get the most likes on you know, yeah. this video of us recording this bass guitar part or whatever. So yeah. that's been that's been a lot of fun, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, it's just really cool how how we can get to connect to artists that, you know, it used to be you had to go, you know, to like a CBGB's like in New York City to figure out what, what's going on, you know, you know yeah. in terms of the new music. And, you know, everybody still likes to go to that club and that's a big place to go. Or like the Viper Room in LA, you know that those are the kind of places you know you want to you want to play. And still, a lot of indie acts want to hit those places. Oh, totally. But but you know, it's just I mean, I do Facebook Live shows from my home studio, and sometimes I get like three thousand, four thousand people. Let's watch it, um, and it's it's surprising that you can you know when I go to New York, I, I play like a three hundred seat club, and I can get more people on on YouTube, like or Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> watching my band you know so it's it, there's a lot of cool things you can do you know with with all the technology now in terms of like live streaming and there are even some places they're allowing people to even do, do you know fan donations while you're doing the live stream yeah <laughs> it, so that gives a band a lot of different options to kind of kick on the net before they even physically get somewhere you know what i mean yeah you, you could do live performances from your studio and get a, a big following before you even hit a real club <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy who would have thought yeah it actually gives you time to practice if you think about yeah. it if, if you get if you set up your cameras and you put it in the same rehearsal space and you do your show 
and you get like thousands of kids, you know, following you and liking you, then you're actually practicing and you're building your rep, you know. So it's kind of cool, I mean, what you can do. Definitely. All right. So what do you think about the state of the music industry? Are you guys going to stay like indie or are you trying to get on a label? What, what's your opinion? Um, I think the scariest, most daunting part about what we're doing as an independent artist is definitely the funds. So in a sense, um, you know, having a, having a record label back you and sort of loan you that money for whatever you're working on, that would be pretty incredible. But also so many bands are thriving without record labels that I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's hundred percent necessary either. Well, you see bands like Wilco, you know, Wilco went indie, Radiohead went indie, Pearl Jam went indie because, you know, they didn't even think what their record companies were offering them was, was a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> so if a Pearl Jam doesn't think it's a good deal, then you got to really look at it. Okay. <laughs> you know, if a band like yeah. Wilco, you know, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, one of my favorite albums, and like they don't think they need to be on like a big major anymore. So, you know, that's, that's kind of shows you what's going on. Because what a lot of artists want, you want tour support. You want somebody to be able to get you to a festival. Yes. So sometimes what's more important is getting a booker, you know, getting a guy that can book this show, you know, and whether that's some little company or whatever, it doesn't have to be a big label if they can get you to the gig, you know, that's what you want. You want somebody to book you for a gig where you're actually going to get paid. Yeah, like you don't want to do a 15 minute, like, okay, well, I'm not going to get paid. It's like, okay, well, that's nice, but I, want, I need to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's always the, the rub, you know, like if they can get you on a stage. So, are you guys, like, if you guys could play outside the US and you found that, like, you could do a European tour or do a tour in Asia or somewhere in the Netherlands or Norway or Australia or something. Are you guys open to doing something like that? If, if there was an opportunity where you found out your audience was actually somewhere outside the U S. Oh yeah. That would be incredible. I would, I would love that. I, I've had dreams about playing places like France and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had an opportunity. Like I, I, I kind of missed it, but there was this, I was linked up to this uh, monsters tea party. They're on Instagram. They're like this art collective in the south of france and i was supposed to do it like a gig and go out to the south of france and do it but then we had some kind of mix up or whatever but but yeah i mean i i almost had an opportunity to go to south of france and play at this this is man like the ghost and we're pushing our brand new record dark ghost volume one which is going to be on Diggers Factory Records. And so if you go to https forward slash forward slash www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash 226598, you can get our brand new album on pre order. It comes out in April. We have 196 copies out of 200 left. It's $24 plus shipping and handling. It's a two vinyl album. It is our statement on electronica, experimental music, and progressive trance. It is um, mastered for vinyl, and it's it's our first vinyl record. It's part of the Dark Ghost series of records. So again, it's www.diggersfactory, that's D-I-G-G-E-R-S, factory, all one word, dot com, forward slash vinyl, 
forward slash 226598. And we'd appreciate your order and um, we'll be very happy um, that you, you, you're checking out our music and, uh, and we'll be very supportive of, uh, of you as, an, as a fan because we'll give you some cool goodies if you sign up. So please check it out. It's www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl, forward slash 226598. Thank you. Yeah, so we're, we're, I think we're getting to the end where we can wrap up. We, we got enough things I can string together, but I wanted to make sure that we kind of finalize. All right. We were <laughs> yeah. on a roll there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was working good. I thought it stabilized. I'm like, oh, then it's still glitched. Um, but yeah, so, so I think what's really cool is that you guys are indie and you're writing your own music. That's another thing. Like I probably like to ask, but I forgot to ask you about your name because I'm I'm a big fan of Victorian poetry, and I have an idea what your name means, but I'm not sure if you're thinking in the same vein. So little I think little death is that the Victorian the poet terminology that I'm thinking about, or do you think it's something else? Yeah, no, you nailed it. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to keep the mystery, or do you want your folks to know what it means? I think they can know what it means. Yeah, it's, my, my, it's the term I understand is for like intercourse or sexual orgasm. That's the kind of came from. Yes. <laughs> Lord Byron and Tennyson were big like Victorian poets. They used to mask the actual explicit nature of saying that. And, and yeah, and I'm a big fan of, of like William Blake and Tennyson and Wordsworth. I try to mix it into my music. And I thought it was really interesting because I've actually used the term little death in family like the ghost songs. Nice. And for the last last couple of years, I, I I used it, and people were like, "Oh, what's that mean?" So I looked it up. <laughs> but, 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 but it's like I'm, I'm trying. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to to be artful and try to say say that without being, you know, like explicit. And so yeah, that was a it's a good way of doing that without being like. Because some people are really explicit today, and that's not a problem. That's what they want to do. But I kind of like the, the masking of you use certain language. And I, I thought that was cool that you guys, your name of your band is that. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, there's something rom- kind of romantic and mysterious about it for sure. Oh, yeah, it's definitely cool to see you guys like they, they know know that. And I, I was very much uh, interested in that. I, I was going to ask at the beginning, but we had all these villagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I took I got I came up with the name sort of because I took about five years of French in high school oh, cool. between, between middle school and high school. So I can version. I can. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can barely speak it now, but um, that's where I learned about that term, and I always, always had it in the back of my mind, thinking, man, that would be such a cool band name. And one day, I finally got to put it to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool that you actually, well, you could have used the French term, and that would be even more. But maybe that would be like with Americans, they're like, what the hell? It's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you probably thought about it and say, well, you know, they're not going to get it. So, then, yeah, they might not know how to pronounce it or yeah. how to type it in so on Google. It's cool in itself, you know, if you look up, you know, Lord Byron and Tennyson's use of it. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, so you guys, um, do you have any new singles coming out shortly on Spotify that you want to talk about? Yeah, so um, we're going to be releasing a song in January. I don't have an exact date yet, but um, it's going to be a really up-tempo song that's sort of still based heavily on the storytelling and um, deep personal references. It's it's much more drums and guitar-driven than this the current single, so I'm pretty excited about that. 
Um, so it's more more traditional kind of classic rock. Or yeah, more? yeah. We've got these like we've it's got some really garagey, cool, distorted drums in it, and um, the guitars kind of go back and forth between like a um, sort of like a modern indie, like the Wombats, to um, to like the Police <laughs> in oh, yeah, parts. The police, so. yeah, the police are awesome. I like their use of reggae. You know, yeah, and the drumming, the drumming and the police, you know, cannot be understated. Oh uh, man, you were you were not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. I mean, I love drummers. You know, I, I was listening to a bunch of Motown drummers, and I think people got to go back and listen to some of the, like the Miracles and Four Tops, the the you know the Funk Brothers and the stuff that was coming out of Motown. The, the level of the well, those guys were all jazz guys, and so they they're introducing all these jazz techniques into pop music and if you listen real close to some of the motown drummers i mean they are phenomenal yeah and, uh, and if you get into jazz you know you listen to coltrane whatever the you know dr- that type of drumming is kind of you get to john bomb and mitch mitchell and keith moon they're taking a lot of those things they're taking those 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 uh, techniques and and they bring them into rock but they were always like in jazz and 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 soul and R&B and blues music had a lot of these things that some people might not realize uh, that a lot of that comes from there. But, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like cross genre, like I said. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's cool to hear you guys like uh, talking about like a new single. So, yeah, but so we're we're always out here on, on Anchor. And if you guys get closer to other projects or you're pushing things out, let us know. We can update your podcast. Just to let you guys know, the podcast goes out to over 12 different platforms. It goes wow. out to Spotify. It goes out to Apple. It goes out to Google, uh, you know, Radio Public, many, many others. So we're on a bunch of podcast platforms. Right now, we got 4,600 listeners. That's right amazing. Now. We get about 2,000 a month. Uh, we have about 2,000 last month. We're about 900 right now, uh, just because of this time of year. But... Um, yeah, we're pushing out. We actually are, are corporate sponsored. We have sponsorships that might play on your particular episode as a as a as a segment. Um, so we have companies that actually support us. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, we're we're pretty psyched for what we're doing, and we we apologize for all the glitches we had tonight. We usually don't have those, but you know, people won't really notice them when they put it together. Other than there'll be separate segments in this episode rather than one big long one. Um, yeah, great. I've had a great time talking with you. No, it's great. Great to, to push indie rock. I love pushing indie bands. Uh, I talk to all different genres. So if you have other bands you meet that want to get interviewed, you know, show them us, show us, uh, tell them about us. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll push you out there. We're going to send the links to you later tonight after I edit and put this together. And so, yeah, we'll let you know when it's ready and you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll be glad to talk to you again. Awesome. That sounds great, man. Thank you so much for having me. No, great. No, no problem. So this was uh, Thomas Lance from 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 Little Death, and uh, we we appreciate you guys uh, talking to us. Have a great holiday season. You too. Yeah, thank you. All right. Bye.